Welcome to Be All You Are, a midlife awakening podcast. I'm your host, Kena Paranjape, the founder of All You Are, a women's lifestyle brand, an entrepreneur, writer, and mother. This podcast is all about stepping into all you are. It's about reconnecting to your inner voice so you can hear the whispers of your true desires and cultivate the courage to create the life that is meant for you. Your dreams are your soul's voice. They are worth your time and attention. Now head out on that solo walk or settle into a cozy spot with a favorite beverage and join me. I can't wait to meet you. Hello, friends. We are on episode 23 of Be All You Are, a Midlife Awakening podcast. And I have something so fun and special for you today. Uh, Today, I'm going to talk to you about how I came to start working with Houseplant, Seth Rogen's lifestyle cannabis company. And I'm going to share a few things that I learned from the three years that I spent working with him. Now, it may seem funny to be talking about Seth Rogen on a podcast that is primarily targeted at women and women in midlife, but I promise you it will all tie together as you will see. So first I wanted to share how I came to working with Houseplant and Seth Rogen in the first place. And I want to share the story because I work with so many women, either one-on-one or in my group programs, who are wanting to make a change. They either want to change jobs or they want to change industries. And there is this sense of, oh my goodness, where do I begin, right? Like, how do I begin to find the opportunity that is the right fit for me? And one of the things that I often say is that we need to realize that there is so much more for us than what is on the menu. And what I mean by that is that we tend to look at job postings or LinkedIn, and we think that we need to choose from those items that are already on the menu. But what I have found is that most of those worthwhile opportunities are not on the menu. And part of it is getting clear on what it is that you want and then really starting to take action around creating that opportunity. And a huge component of this is believing that there is an opportunity out there that exists that you just haven't found yet. It's really important because I think if we go into this thinking, well, this is what I want. I want this, you know, marketing role that is, you know, with a small team and with a company that um, has a purpose that I really believe in. If we get clear on what we want, but then feel like, but that doesn't exist, or I'm never going to find that, or, you know, how on earth will I begin to find that? Then you've kind of cut yourself off at the past. So, We need to get clear on what we want, and then we need to actually be open to the possibility that it is out there. And then we start taking action from that place, and we allow. We allow for what comes up. We don't resist. If somebody suggests something to us, we don't say no. We say yes, and it all stems from there. So let me tell you my story around this. So I had... I've spent many years in the corporate world, and then I left to start a business 
Bricka. And I was with that business for almost six years. And then I, for a lot of reasons, which I think I've talked about on other podcast episodes, decided to leave. Um, I had started All You Are, which was a you know loungewear business at the time. And for me, that was, I was not ready for that to be a full-time project. And so, and I had a baby and, you know, was trying to stabilize myself after a very rocky period and knew that I wanted to find somewhere where I could put down roots for a little while. And so I, you know, started by looking at the menu, you know, there was a lot of job opportunities out there. I went and I interviewed for them and every time I would walk away feeling like I wasn't going to last there. You know, even if I did get the job, I wasn't going to last there because it was too constricting. It didn't feel aligned. It felt like trading my time and skills for a paycheck, which is just not my jive. So I started to think, what can I do that will allow me to get compensated for my skills and experience, um, but that also fulfills me and makes me feel like I am really contributing in a way that I love. And so, you know, at that time that the cannabis industry was really just starting to flourish and there was a lot of investment being poured into the cannabis industry and I knew nothing about the cannabis industry. I personally, um, you know, have not imbibed even through college. It just was never my thing. And so it wasn't a natural fit for me to pursue something in that industry. But I also knew that a lot of um, colleagues and people that I respected had started leaving other industries to enter it. So I reached out to a friend who was working in the industry who I really respected and had a chat with him about, you know, his experience and how um how he felt about it and he spoke really highly about the company that he was with and about the challenges they were facing and about how creative it was because in the end everybody was starting from scratch. You, you know, they were, everyone was bringing in their experience and expertise from other industries but we were all at that point working on creating an industry together. And at the end of that conversation, he said, I think you should talk to um, another friend who works um, on the same team and she may know of some opportunities for you and she would just be a good person for you to talk to. So I was immediately connected to her. And once she reviewed my background and skills, she asked me to meet her for a coffee like within a day or two. She said, I actually think I have something for you. And I remember the coffee shop that we sat at together and we sat across from each other and she and I have become friends now. Um, but we sat across from each other and we talked about my past and my experience and what I was looking for. And she said, I think I have the perfect thing for you. Have you heard of Houseplant? And somewhere on the periphery of my mind, I'd heard of it. So I said, yes, I think so. And then she said, uh, it's Seth Rogen's cannabis company. And I started laughing because I had not seen Pineapple Express or Superbad at this point. And I think my reference for um, liking Seth Rogen was his, appearance, his appearances on uh, The Mindy Project. 
<laughs> and also on uh, in the Forty Year Old Virgin, which was such an old movie, and he just had a small part in it, really. Um, so I just thought it was so funny, right? And so, um, she immediately connected me to the woman who was leading the business in Canada, and uh, we set up a date to meet for coffee. And I remember going into that coffee thinking, "This sounds really exciting." Nothing has been really created yet. We're starting from scratch. Seth wanted to create a whole line of merchandise to really align with the positioning of the brand. And but nothing had been made yet. So it was this really open opportunity to create something, which always gets me really excited. And so I met with um the woman who was leading the company and she and, and I remember walking in thinking to myself, I, as much as I'm excited about this role, I need to feel aligned with this person that I'm going to be reporting to and working closely with. And so don't get ahead of yourself. Just go and meet her and see how it goes. And she and I met, and it was sort of like instant connection, instant alignment. And Felt like she had become a friend in an hour and a half coffee date. So uh, needless to say, I believe I had an offer after, you know, speaking with the CEO and a few other people, I had an offer two weeks later and I started maybe a month later. And so I just wanted to share that story before I get into the good stuff, <laughs> which is what I learned from Seth. But I wanted to share that story because again, I found that role not through a job posting, not through LinkedIn, not through a recruiter, but from really asking myself what I want and then looking around and observing and finding the signs of where I might find what I want, right? Which again, to remind you was a role that was creative, that um, allowed me some autonomy, that allowed me to use my range of skill sets, right? Versus being feeling like I'm being put into a box um, also with a brand that I could feel that I could get behind, get excited about and feel strongly about, which I did about Houseplant, and that also provided the stability and the income that I needed at the time. So I just want that to be a reminder to everyone. If you are looking for a job right now, if you are thinking about making a transition, order off the menu. Okay. Look at the menu, but then just remember there is a world of opportunity that is not on the menu. Okay. So let's dive into six things I learned from Seth Rogen. And, you know, again, I smile even when I say that now, because going in, I wasn't a Seth Rogen fan. I definitely am now. And I wasn't not a fan, but I wasn't one of his Uber fans of which he has many. Um, but I did buy into his vision for houseplant. So that is one of the number one things I learned was to have a clear, beautiful vision for whatever it is that you're working on, whether it's your business, whether it is your life, whether, whether it is, you know, where you want to go in your career is to have a beautiful vision. And um, I saw that firsthand with how Seth and the other founders approached houseplant um, it wasn't just about capitalizing on the legalization of cannabis. Um, you know, Seth has been very vocal about um, about the role cannabis has played in his life, and 
I think he wanted to really lead the conversation around cannabis and um, the fact that it was illegal. Now that it is legal, how do we speak of it, right? And so he wanted to create this brand that was not only nostalgic and fun and playful, but that also showed a reverence through the products to, um, to the plant. And so everything from the brand voice, the brand visuals, um, to the product, which is what I worked on with him, um, there was so much thought put into what is the message and is this telling the story that we want to tell? And what is also so powerful about having that clear um, point of view regardless of what it is that you're trying to create, is that it allows you to bring people along with you, right? So as I mentioned, I wasn't a um, huge Seth Rogen fan, so I wouldn't have joined just for that reason. But I was sold on his vision. And so I think one of the number one things I've learned from Seth is to have a clear, beautiful, unique, unique is another key word, vision. And I know that Seth does that with really everything he does, whether it's a film project, whether it's a specific product we're creating, whether it's um, an Instagram post. So have a clear, beautiful vision. The second thing that I learned from him, just from being in his proximity, is to build a trusted circle and to keep those that you love close. So Seth has a team that he's worked with for many, many years. And he's built up a circle of trust and of collaboration and of camaraderie and of caring for one another. And that has allowed him to kind of stay in this creative mode because he's found his people to continue to partner and collaborate with. And while, you know, Seth may be the visible, more visible one, um, there's a whole team of people who are working on ideas and on pushing things forward. And I really learned from him to create that circle of trust. And also the second part of this is to keep those that you love close and to really value them. You know, Seth is married to, he has a beautiful wife, Lauren, whom I've met and he you know, has been married for a number number of years and has always um, put her first, right? From my point of view, obviously I'm not on the inside, but from what I can see, it always seemed like he put her first and would leave dinners to go home so that he could be with her and their dog, Zelda, who has since passed. Um, so I think, you know, that second thing that I really learned from Seth was to build a trusted circle, and to keep your loved ones close. Um, the third thing that I learned from him was to always listen to trusted input, meaning that circle that you've created, listen to what they have to say, because you know you're, you can't do it alone, right? Even if you, um, even if you, again, are the more visible one, um, you, nobody does it completely alone. It's actually impossible. So really to listen to all that input. And, and one of the things I would say from working with Seth personally is that 
I always felt he was listening to the experience that I brought to the table. So if he thought otherwise, he always um, gave me space to share my point of view and he accepted it, you know, and, and whether he, you know, made a decision based on it or not was up to him. And that's part two of this, but he always listened and took it in. And I, and I saw him do that time and time again, right? Like he knows where his areas of expertise are and he also knows where they aren't. And so he was willing completely willing to be open and to receive that from someone else. Um, But ultimately, and I remember having a funny conversation with him about this once, you, if you are clear on your vision, you have to be the one who decides, right? So get all the input, get everybody's like, you know, whatever. But in the end, you decide what you think is best for what it is that you're trying to create. Make that final call and also you know, don't apologize for it. Don't feel like you need to apologize for making that call, even if there's a percentage of people who didn't vote for what you are deciding on. Um, And I feel like this is a difficult thing for me, but I saw Seth do it with quite a bit of ease. And, um, you know, I'm sure he built that muscle up as well, but it um, it was a really good lesson for me to take away. Um, this, the, I think we're on the third thing now, the fourth thing, the fourth thing is to be brutally honest about what you think. Right. And I think that since my audience is mostly women for women, especially this can be difficult, right? It's so hard for us to just tell the truth about what we think. I think our first, our first reaction is we don't want to hurt anybody, right? Fair enough. Our second reaction is taking responsibility for how that other person's going to feel when we don't agree with them, right? We take that on even before we've communicated what it is that we need to communicate. And then the third thing is, you know, just having somebody either not like us or be upset that we've made a different decision or, um, you know, like really just be, feel like we've rejected somebody or, that now they bristle, right? And think about when you're trying to create something, right? Like when you're trying to bring something to life, again, whether it's a business, whether it's, you know, moving forward in your career, whether it's a creative project, um, if you can't be honest about the direction that you're headed in, you are going to be constantly diluting that vision. Just over and over again, you're going to be diluting that vision if you can't say what you actually think. Groundbreaking. (laughs) Um, But I saw Seth do that again and again. He would listen and then he would just say what he thought. And he knows that half the time on those calls, people are like, oh my God, what is he? He's so wrong about this. And how could he not see it the way we see it? And you know what? Sometimes there's consequences to that. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. But the point is that if you're not honest about what you want for, you know, that project, your business, whatever it is, there is a very good chance that you're going to regret it later. You're going to say, ah, I I didn't say it. I didn't say that it wasn't right. Or I didn't say that it wasn't good enough or, you know, and of course you could choose your words in a way that doesn't um, like intentionally hurt somebody. But 
we all need to be more honest about what it is that we want. And actually, as I'm saying this right now, I'm realizing there's areas in in my life where I could be a lot more honest. The fifth thing is to do what you love and to do what you feel called to do. One of the things that I heard Seth say over and over again is that he wasn't interested in creating the biggest movies or the best movies that are the highest grossing of all time and that everybody watches, right? He wasn't actually interested in in doing that because if that is your goal, your output is going to be completely different. Your approach is going to be completely different. What Seth is interested in is being creative, having a point of view, and talking about things in a way that he wants to talk about them and how he wants to comment on them, right? And do that with people that you love working with, right? And that you love creating with. And then, yeah, you get these amazing amazing projects out there that impact the world culturally, right? That have a deep cultural impact, but they aren't necessarily the biggest or the best or winning all these awards. And so this idea of being true to um, what it is that you feel called to do, that you feel called to create is so powerful. And I find myself as I'm building this business and this community and platform remembering that, right? Like, for example, if you see like a um, an article featuring a founder in a magazine or whatever it is, I remind myself that's not the path that I'm on. I mean, maybe one day that will be it, but I, but that's not my focus. My focus isn't to be in a magazine. My focus is to build community, right? My focus is to have these conversations, these enriching, real deep conversations. That is my focus. And that's what I want to do more of. And so I think doing what you love and what you feel called to do um, and going deeper and deeper into that can often lead to incredible things. And then the other piece of that, you know, the other piece of like doing what you love is basically the way I took it or what the way I um, observed it with Seth is that for him, and I heard um, Jen Sincero talking on a podcast, she wrote the book, um, You Are a Badass, and I think has a new book out. Um, But the way she talks about it, and it made me think about Seth, is that if it's not fun or meaningful, why are you doing it? Right? And ideally, it's both of those things. It's fun and meaningful. But if it's not at least fun or at least meaningful, why are you doing it? And I think that's the new standard that we should all be aiming for, right? It's not just about doing something for the sake of doing it, for the sake of the paycheck. And I realize that this might sound like a luxury to some, but I think it's something we can all aim for, right? Is living a life where we do do work that feels fun and meaningful. And so I think that's sort of the second part of doing what you love, because when you love something, it usually is also meaningful and you have fun doing it. And then the last thing is to, and I actually didn't get this directly from Seth. 
I got it from Tim Ferriss's book. Um, I think it's called The Book of Titans. And my mom had actually given me this book for Christmas one year. And it's this massive tome, right? With like um, a few chap or small chapters highlighting words of wisdom or lessons or, um, you know, lessons learned from influential people. And there was a small chapter featuring Seth Rogen and his lovely partner, business partner and writing partner and friend, Evan Goldberg. And in it, at the end of this chapter, which I, when I got the book, I didn't realize there was a chapter featuring Seth and Evan. And when I got the chapter, I or got to that chapter, I was like, oh, they're in this book. And I believe I was actually still working in Houseplant when I read that chapter. And I had been contemplating leaving because I was dreaming of what I could create with All You Are and the communities, the community that I wanted to create and the women that I wanted to bring together and to serve and to have this conversation with. And I came across this chapter and I was like, oh, this should be fun. And I read it. And at the end, Seth says something basically to the effect of, in the end, you need to, at some point, you just need to have blind faith in yourself. And I closed the book and I was like, there it is. There it is. Sometimes you just need to have blind faith in yourself and go for it. And I like to say to anyone that I'm talking to that has a dream or a vision for their life, look at anybody that you admire, right? Like, let's like talk about Seth for the moment, right? What if when Seth was 13 years old and had started, you know, dabbling in comedy and doing stand up? And what if at some point he had said, ah, I'm not that good at this. Maybe I'll just go and, uh, you know, study accounting. Like, what if he had done that? Think of all the things that he's created over the years and all the impact he's had and all the people he's made laugh or inspired or made mad. Who knows? (laughs) He's probably made lots of people mad too. Um, But think of that, right? And think of anybody that you admire. Think of anybody who's done anything great. What if at some point they had allowed their lack of faith in themselves to stop them? What if they had, I mean, think about Taylor Swift. What if like at some point she was like, oh my gosh, like Kanye's right. And and he just, she just stopped. Can you imagine, like, think of what she, the impact she's had and the people that she's inspired at a worldwide level. So I know it can sometimes sound very flippant. Oh, have blind faith in yourself. But if you don't, no one else will. If you don't have that faith in yourself, no one else will. And you won't get to see what you could create and how you could help people and how you can inspire people and who you could be and what your life would look like. And I'm talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to you, but I think that is such a powerful message. And, you know, this idea for this podcast came to me, um, I think like in the middle of the night. And I've been thinking a lot about what I learned from that experience. Um, And I hope that I've covered everything 
I feel like there's probably more, but I think those are really the six main things. So I'm just going to go over them really quickly. The first thing is to have a clear, unique, powerful, beautiful vision. The second is to have that trusted circle of you know people that you trust and to keep your loved ones close. The third is to listen to all that input from these people that you trust, to take all the expert advice, but in the end, to decide. One way or another, you lead your project, your life, your business, and you decide. And don't like, don't look back. And you know what? If the decision is, is wasn't the right one, that's okay too. You stand behind it. Um, the fourth one is to be brutally honest about what you think. So maybe brutal isn't the right word because it implies, you know, being unkind. But if we say be honest about what you think, I think sometimes we just filter ourselves around what we really think. So what maybe a better way to say it is be truly honest about what you think, not a filtered version, but the truth. And I know that's very hard for us, but the more we can do that, the more in integrity we are. And the person who's receiving it will in the end appreciate that, right? The fifth thing is to do what you love and what you feel called to do and to make sure that it is fun and meaningful, right? Why are you doing it otherwise? And then the sixth thing is to have blind faith in yourself, right? At some point, if you are being called forward um, to do something, to create something, to be something, you need to have blind faith in yourself and really what you have to lose if you don't succeed, you don't succeed and you find a new path. But if you don't try, then you don't know what you're leaving on the table. You don't know that beautiful potential that you're just kind of like throwing away. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a fun one. Maybe I'll do a series of things that I learned from other influential people that I've worked with, but I think Seth's Seth was a good one because it's rather unexpected for me to talk about what I learned <laughs> from Seth Rogen. But I do think that it just shows that there are teachers all around us, right? And I learned things from, you know, my daughter's babysitter. And I learned things from my neighbor's little girl. I, I learned things from everyone around us. And I, I am... Um, I know that Wayne Dyer would always talk about this too, about how we can learn from literally every person that we come in contact with. But I thought it would be especially fun to talk about the six things I learned from Seth Rogen. So I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found inspiration and used this podcast to start stepping into all you are. To hear more about the podcast, follow me over on Instagram at Kana underscore all you are. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're loving the podcast, I'd be so honored if you go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Until next time, remember to keep exploring what it means to be all you are.